if I use the term with you, uh, apostolic ministry, that was a new term that uh, came to me just after 1997. I'd been in the church 14 years approximately. I was very Pentecostal. As Pentecostal as they come. And the Lord called us to go to Puyallup in 1995. And in 97, I was invited to go with others to, a, to meet at a church with other people, primarily men, and to pray and fast, wait on the Lord. There was a lot of ministry that took place in the Word and in the Spirit. And there was a dynamic change that came to me. Now, I remember... The Lord presenting me with the idea, will you allow me to take you apart and put you back together again? And in observation of receiving that from the Lord, I didn't respond quickly. Because my biggest question was, it took 15 years to get here. How long are we talking? And so I was very hesitant, but I also came to the resolve. There's no going back from here. I can't just go back and be what I was, because now for what I've experienced, what I have observed, the revelation that came through a spiritual act, the revelation, the opening of understanding in his word, you can't close that. You can't go back from that. Now, you can deny it. It was a year or two later, I was appealed to by another family. If I would go to the next meeting, prayer and fasting meeting, and if I would take their father. Their father was an elder out of Texas. Had a very small congregation, very, and he was very staunch. And he was now in his more senior years. And he agreed to go. They bought him a ticket. I got a ticket. I went. And I was there with him for a week. And I watched him and just observed. And he, you know, he, I can't say he really tried. But he was there, and he was, uh, you know, trying to show himself involved and friendly and all that. And then he left that meeting and went home. He never spoke another time about that meeting. He closed the door. He said, I'm too old. I'm too set in my ways. I I can't even entertain the things that I saw or was communicated. So you can push back on that at a great price. A great price. When the, 
when the young lady who was, who had a divining spirit following the apostles, Paul, Silas, and was communicating, and Paul was discerning. Now that's spiritual gifting. That's not a talent. Apostolic ministry involves giftings, spiritual discernment, does not rely on talent. We don't promote talent. We promote gifting. Anointing of God, spiritual anointing, and gifting in the lives of people, whether it's to teach, whether it's to Share, whether it's, the Bible calls, helps a gift in the Bible. So there's many things, there's many giftings in the body of Christ because it's a body. But oftentimes the focus are on the things that are up front, the platform, the instruments, the holding of a, a microphone and singing and things like these. Now, there can be gifts involved there. And we hope they are. Yeah. Or we could rely on talent. Talent is flesh. Okay. So, when I, when I use the term apostolic ministry, I'm reflecting on what took place when Paul turned and rebuked the Spirit. And then endured the process of what followed. It raised a stink in Philippi. There were men who she worked for that brought them much money because of these unclean spirits operating in her life. It was apostolic ministry. If there was no apostolic ministry there, if there was no discernment and gifting there, whatever it was that she was doing among the people, even those that were now pursuing God, but there was apostolic ministry on the scene. If that was not there, she could work in among them, in and out among them. She could prophesy to them. She could give them a word. She could do things. But, you know, your, your, your child is special. Your son is so special. God is going to use him in such a great way and communicate things. I've observed this. I have watched this. And work among the people and do and speak and say and gain a rapport and a respect among the people that was unhealthy. Because she would, like Simon, bewitch them. Okay? So apostolic ministry brings this out and deals with it. 
removes it. It's, it's spiritual discernment. Now, something began back in 1997 at a higher level. In other words, the ministry that transpired or began to take shape started then. I'd already been Pentecostal for 15 years. Now, I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know what it was. What do you mean? I thought we're all Pentecostal. What are you talking about? Apostolic. Are we using a new word now? You know, apostolic was now the upscaled Pentecostal. More spiritual operation taking place and these things, is, you know. And so, simply out of a communion relationship with God and the things that he desires to bring about in people's lives operating, that's apostolic ministry. The opening of the understanding of the word of God, it is a spiritual act. That's apostolic ministry. That's just not Pentecostal preaching. You with me? Anybody know Brother Kendrick? Mark Kendrick? He was here three or four weeks ago. Mark Kendrick. I, don't, I remember when he told me, but it's been years now. He was working in Seattle and he said, I'm looking at buying a condominium in Bremerton. You're going to ride the ferry every day from Bremerton to Seattle? Yeah, and then when I get off, I'll walk so many blocks up to my office. I'll got a backpack, rain gear. Man, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, he did. He bought the condo. He's been there for years, became a part of the condominium association. And anyway, he's been content and happy with that. And, of course, now everything's changed. He's not working in Seattle. He's working at the house. Well, for two weeks, a thought came to me. And uh, I turned to my wife. I told her what the thought was. She said, serious? I said, yeah. I'm going to call Mark. Or I texted him. You understand, I'm referring to him as Mark because I knew Mark when Mark was five. We've known him all his life. Okay. The Lord has developed him into an apostolic minister. Now watch this. So for two weeks I'm feeling this and I shoot him a text. Brother Kendrick. If at any time you feel like you want to leave Bremerton, I think you ought to pray about the Proctor District in Tacoma. He shoots me back a text. He said, I was there last week. Here's the house I'm looking at. This is apostolic ministry. Okay? Saturday morning, we're at a prayer meeting at the church. 
couple of guys wanted to go out to breakfast afterwards. We went, and uh, we're eating, and then we're talking. And all at once, uncommon for me, really, but all at once I look out, and I see people waiting in the lobby. And I say, oh, we better get up and go right now. These people were waiting for our seats. Timing. It was an uncommon thing for me to do. But I did it in just a moment, and it was in that moment. So, timing. We get up. We go. In the conversations, I said, hey, I want to go to REI and look at a jacket. And uh, anyway, that's what our talk was about. So I leave there in my car. And I, I know where REI is in Tacoma, but I put it in my GPS anyway because they've made some changes in construction and 38th Street exit is a little different. And Anyway, so I thought I'll be safe and I'll put it in my GPS. And I get on my path and I'm headed there and I get on I-5 and I come up to the exit for 38th and I don't know how it happened. But I didn't make the right turn to go to REI. So now it puts me on Highway 16, and it's going to take me down to Union Street exit, which is a long ramp. And I start on the ramp, and I think, you know what? I don't need to go to REI. I can do that another time. But there's something at Lowe's that I want. So I'm going to go to Lowe's, and I think it's out this way. Now I'm just thinking this is between the first part of the exit and the end of the ramp. I get to the end of the ramp. I'm at the light. I make a safe head check for traffic, and I notice, oh, there's a Walmart sign there. I didn't even know there was a Walmart there. It wasn't. It was new. They got it at Walmart. I'll go to Walmart. Now, you see how this is? Okay. It started at the table when I said, oh, let's go. We got to go right now. So that times me to get into Walmart, park my car, and head to the front door. Now there's a family I hadn't seen for two years. Lo and behold, who was coming out the front door? They don't even live in Tacoma. They live in Puyallup. And we stand there for 15 or 20 minutes reuniting. I said, I called your name in prayer this morning. He said, I called your name this morning in prayer. This is apostolic ministry. This is a transformation. You know what? I ain't got my chair in my head. It is standing up right now. You feel what I'm feeling? Check it. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is God wants to effectually coordinate our lives. You know, so it's, it's kind of like the old taco stop thing. I'm asking myself, so were, were those my thoughts? Or was that God guiding my thoughts to get me to a an indicated place in the exact moment. Amen. 
I had spoke to somebody about that particular couple, and I said, I'm going to connect with them. I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord for the perfect timing. And the Lord gave me perfect timing. Okay? We want apostolic ministry operating in our lives. Not just to be referred to as apostolics or Pentecostals or what kind of church. Does that mean you speak in tongues? Those things are all immaterial. It is having a place of communion with God that he will orchestrate day after day after day after day. Whether it's words or communications that we make at the right time, the right content, or simply placing us. I know there's times when I've been put in a place and somebody saw me and it was a trigger. See, they had distanced themselves from God a long time ago. And their only association with me was the kingdom of God. And so when they saw me, we didn't talk, we didn't speak, we only acknowledged. And I knew Wow, that was the timing of the Lord. And it was a trigger of God for them. And they are now thinking thoughts as they climb into their car and drive away of things they would not have thought had we not come together. I'm talking about a life of apostolic ministry. This is why... Spiritual leading is an imperative. It is an imperative in our lives. Okay. That's my greeting. Nice to be here, folks. Book of Luke, chapter 10, at verse 17. I taught this last Sunday in the Federal Way group. And as I was getting ready to come tonight, I, I felt to go back to this and see how the Lord will minister this here. Okay. Luke 10 and 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Now, trigger word. Even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And the Lord muses for a moment. Over time. And then he says. I beheld Satan. As lightning fall from heaven. I'm recounting the moment. I'm recounting the day. Your report back to me. Has simply triggered a memory. 
I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Satan. Lucifer. Beelzebub. The devil. But as Lucifer, he was a great angel in the presence of God. He would usher in the morning and the presence of the Lord and was mighty. He was powerful. He was magnificent. He looked glorious. Above all. Why would he want more than that? But he did. Revelations 12 and 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought in his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there, T-E-H-E-I-R, neither was their place found any more in heaven. They had place. They had position. They had Rank. There was great authority upon many of them. And then there was Lucifer. And the great dragon, verse 9, was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. I was listening to a minister talk about the demoniac of Gadara. Familiar story to us. How that when the demoniac whom they could not hold with chains... Straps of steel. There was nothing they could do to him. To, to hold him. Because of the demoniac. Presence. Domination in his life. Empowered him. But when he saw Jesus step out of the boat, the Bible says he ran unto him, wanted to be with him. Now, I always thought when somebody was 
demon-possessed, they lost their power to do anything. They surrendered their will. But the Scripture bears out the will of a man is so strong. The will of a man is so powerful that a legion of devils could not stop the man when he wanted to go to the Lord. Remember that principle. But it caused me to think about this legion. I always thought it was a thousand. It's many, many, many more than a thousand. Thousands. And I thought about all those angels who had one day stood in the presence of God and who had now been cast to the earth. And many were dominating this man and his life. Probably many more on the earth. To have lost their place. Their rightful place. Their God-given place. They lost it. It was no more to be found in the heavens. What a tragedy. Genesis chapter 2. You know, it's, it's not hard to understand that one being lifted up in his own pride could desire to exalt himself. We've seen it in people. We see it in individuals. But it's not a stretch to think that one, especially the glory that he reflected from God would become so filled with himself that he would dare to speak out and communicate. I will exalt myself. And only find to the end that he would be cast down to the earth. And lose a place that he had been given. But a third of the host of heaven. How does that happen? Watch me. Hey. How you doing? Did he really say that? I can't believe he said that. We get an indication of how he communicated. It had to have come from influence, see? It wasn't an automatic thing, but I don't even know how long it took. A third of the host of heaven from one to another to another. Hey, let's get together, man. Let's talk. Let's hang out. Let's do a barbecue. Come on. And from one to the other, to the other, to the other, he influenced one-third of the host of heaven. Had to have been through his 
communication. So how did he communicate? Genesis chapter 2 at verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Question mark. Raising the question. And the woman said unto the serpent. Huh? We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He was only kidding. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You eat this fruit, you'll be like him. Doing his best to cover his primary ambition. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. And you tell me, ego is not the enemy of the soul. In the day that you eat this, you shall be as gods. Gods? Serious? Wow. I noticed I was looking a little better today. He appealed to the ego of man and to the flesh of man. Pleasant to the eye, good to eat, desired to make one wise. His voice, his subtle voice, twisting the word just a little little bit and then appealing to their human nature 
Their desire to be something more. It's a voice of insurrection. He was the master planner of the insurrection in heaven that accumulated to a place of war that took place. And he lost and was cast out. So, one more scripture. Isaiah chapter 12. Or maybe two more. Isaiah 12 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount. Of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell. To the sides of the pit. So. You ever wonder. I'm going to use you, Leland. You ever wonder why he just, God didn't just to Lucifer? Why didn't he just take him out? Why would he allow the cost of a third of the heavenly host? And why would he allow, however long the insurrection went, however long the communication and the deceiver was at work, at any time he could have brought that to a screeching halt. But he didn't. He allowed for it. He allowed for it. He allowed the third of the host. To be deceived by one. Why? Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. If you don't want to be there. He don't want you there. If you can be. Pulled away. Persuaded. Deceived. He's going to let it happen. Precedent is already here. If you're going to allow that insurrecting voice to influence you to speak against oversight, leadership, God, the heavenlies, those that have the rule over you, he'll let it. But wait a minute. I thought he went to the cross. He did all these things to keep it. He did. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. But whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. 
If you're going to be pulled out, he's going to let it happen. You've got to shut the voices. You've got to say, get out of here. You've got to say, stop talking to me. Don't say that in my presence. Because I intend to see it through to the end. Hebrews chapter 13, this is my last scripture. Chapter 13 at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your soul. As they must give account that they do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. You know, we all find ourselves in conversations. We all find ourselves in dialogues. And at times we can allow passion to flow. And to be expressed. That's okay. But always take into account how the end of the conversation plays out. How the last express dialogue leaves you and them. Being left with an obedient spirit, being left with an expression of submission. I've, I've voiced my situation, I've made my complaints, but I wait on your instruction. I hear your advice. Help me that you may give an answer with joy and not grief. For that is unprofitable for me. Would you stand? Amen. I'd like us to pray. I'm going to open the altar here. I believe the Lord is speaking to us. Come on. Let yourself be in a position to be led by the Lord. Not just right now, but get in the position so that he can lead you going forward. In the name of Lord, I want to see ministry prevail in my life.
I want to see the leading of your spirit prevail in my life, God. Uh, I want to know that it's the Word of God leading me. I want to know that it's the Spirit of God leading me. God, I'm open before You. I'm honest before You tonight, Lord Jesus. I have to have the leading of Your Spirit. God, I've seen my way. I've seen what it leads to. God, I have to have the leading of Your Spirit in me. God, I want to be right. I want to be humble, Lord Jesus. I want to be submitted to You, Lord Jesus. Because I know all of Your ways are perfect. I know all of Your ways are perfect, Jesus. Come on, let the Lord do some work in your spirit right now. A broken and a contrite spirit, He will not turn away. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to surround myself with voices that speak the truth. I want to surround myself with voices, God, and opinions that line up with Your Word, Lord Jesus. God, I don't want to be surrounded by all of the other voices, God, that would bring question. God, those voices, those influences, Lord, that would speak against You or Your Word, that would speak against the things of Your Spirit and the apostolic ministry that You're leading us to. God, I want to be surrounded by those voices that come from You, those which are true, Lord Jesus, that which is pure, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Help me to be aware, Lord God, every time a voice would creep in, Lord, and plant a seed that's not true, plant a seed of doubt, or plant a seed of discouragement, or plant a seed of discord. God, I want to be aware each time so that I can know Your voice, so that I can make sure I'm in line with Your voice. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I speak against the work of the enemy over Your people right now. God, I bind that voice in the name of Jesus. Lord, I bind those unclean influences in the name of Jesus. I take authority over it right now, O oh God. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew the right spirit in me, Lord Jesus. 
Oh, I want to be made clean. I want to be renewed, Lord Jesus. Reveal the truth of your word to me, O God. Reveal the truth of your word to me, O God, so that I could walk in it. God, so that I could follow after it. I desire the leading of your spirit in my life. I desire the leading of your spirit in my life, God. I'd like you to go and find someone to pray with, if you would, before we are done here. I know the Lord wants to minister to this body some more tonight. Just let the Lord lead you. If you want to find a brother or a sister, find someone and connect with them and pray with them. And let this spirit of ministry that's here tonight, let it flow through this body in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, touch my sister, Lord. Touch my brother, Lord Jesus. Strengthen them with the bond of unity, Lord Jesus. Strengthen them with the bond of love and compassion, Lord God. I pray strength into their bodies, Lord. I pray strength into their minds, Lord. I pray strength into their spirits, Lord Jesus. Yeki amoshata.